0: Welcome to Leaders of the West, a podcast for innovators and change makers. I'm your host, Jesse Jarvis, the founder of Of the West, and I'm sitting down with agriculturalists, entrepreneurs, executives, and everyone in between with the goal of digging into the strategies, mindsets, and lessons that have been crucial to the success of Ag and Western. Whether you're carrying on the next generation of your family's operation, starting something from scratch, or determined to climb up the leadership ladder, We're going to inspire you to continue to dream big, growing not just you, but the future of agriculture and Western as a whole. Let's go.
1: Before we get into today's episode, I want to quickly share a little bit about an upcoming Western industry event that I think you're going to enjoy, which is Art of the Cowgirl. Art of the Cowgirl will be held January 17th to 21st, 2024 in Queen Creek, Arizona, and it's an event that's really built around the opportunity to celebrate, gather, and connect Western women around horses and Western art. The 2024 Art of the Cowgirl event will include the Wrangler All Women's Ranch Rodeo presented by Cowgirl Magazine, the Kimes Ranch World's Greatest Horsewoman Competition presented by Western Horsemen, a breakaway roping competition presented by Merck Animal Help, along with a number of hands on workshops, clinics, demonstrations, an elite ranch horse sale. A ton of really great shopping, live music, and I will be there as a Lead the Herd Workshop keynote speaker, which I am so excited about. Not only does the event provide entertainment and really honors women of the West, but it also provides fellowship opportunities for individuals who are looking to further their knowledge with master artists in areas like photography, saddle making, and so many other subjects. The contribution of these cowgirl makers is something that is really worth celebrating, and I look forward to sharing them with you guys in person. Tickets and workshop registrations are available now at artofthecowgirl.com, and you can use the code Jessie to receive 10% off of your ticket purchase. I cannot wait to see you guys in January in Queen Creek, Arizona. Hello. Oh, I'm so excited to be with you guys today. It's been a while since I have recorded one of these solo episodes. And today I get to talk to you about how we can't always have a winning season. And this isn't necessarily a fun conversation. I mean, I'm going to enjoy having it with you guys, but the reality is is that we always want to win and nobody wants to lose. But life is not a whole column of wins stacked on top of one another. There are always some losses in there as well. So today we're going to talk about those losses and hopefully that can empower you whether you were in one of those what feels like a losing season or you know, you've had a number of wins lately so you kind of feel like maybe you're preparing for that losing season. But before we get into that, so to give you guys a little bit of insight on how I come up with the ideas to record these solo episodes, I'm the kind of person where I can kind of have a little bit of a squirrel brain. And so it's a lot easier for me to put a bunch of ideas into the notes section of my phone, and then I randomly drop those into a spreadsheet so that each idea or topic is attached to a date so I know exactly what I need to talk about that day. And if I may if I'm not feeling the topic, I'll move things around. But for the most part, that is the thing that really helps me stay focused so that I don't have 10 half-done topics. I get to talk to you guys about one topic, and we can kind of dig into the idea at hand, if you will. So when I was in the spreadsheet, I saw that today's topic was how you can't always have a winning season. And I laughed because if I'm being honest, we, meaning myself, Justin, our family, We're just not in a winning season of life right now. So this topic is absolutely perfect for today. And like I said before, I don't know what type of season you are in. Maybe you are somebody who is absolutely at the top of your game. You are stacking those wins on top of one another. And if that is you, keep that momentum rolling. But the reality is, is for a lot of us, that is maybe not the season that we're in. Or maybe you're somebody who you're thinking, well, Jesse, I don't necessarily know what season I'm in. I want to talk a little bit about how nature's seasons, spring, summer, fall and winter are also the seasons of life we often find ourselves in and what you can do to find the beauty in the bad or those losing seasons and be somebody who is always looking ahead. So back to being in a winning season. So I have some friends who are in business and maybe 5 or 6 years ago they were at the top of their game in business. I would talk to them and I'd say, "Hey, how did this event go?" or, you know, wh- whatever it was that they were doing. I would consistently ask about how things were going. And they would always say, "Oh my gosh, it is so good. We did better than last year. We doubled our numbers or we Sold in one day what we normally sell in 10 days. And like they were winning after winning after winning for a long period of time. Like I'm talking two years of straight wins. And I remember one time thinking, as happy as I am for them to be winning, because I truly, absolutely was, I hope that they are prepared to lose. Now, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, but as bad as we want wins, life is not a bunch of wins stacked in a column next to zero losses. There are always losses. So how can we prepare ourselves for those when they come? And lo and behold, my friends, they did have a losing season and they weren't necessarily prepared for it. And I think that their losing season was made harder because of all of those consistent wins, if you will. So let's get into these four seasons Of life. I talked about them earlier. They are just like nature seasons spring, summer, fall, winter. Spring is the season of sowing. This is when you are planting your seeds for what is to come. Pretend you are a farmer. You are working the ground, you're putting seeds into the ground, you're watering the ground. You maybe don't see anything for your work and your efforts, but you know that you show up every day and things are going to rise above the ground at some point. Okay, that is spring. Next up is summer. Summer is the season of growing. You're still out there every day. You're still working hard, but the seeds that you planted in the spring, they are finally above the ground and they've sprouted and they're growing every single day equal to the work that you're putting in or the work that you've already put in. So summer is one of those seasons where you can really see the fruits of your labor. You haven't harvested them yet because that's fall, but you know that the work that you're putting in is paying off or will pay off in the future. Okay, now fall. This is the season of harvest. This is when things are plentiful. This is when it feels like you are smooth sailing because you're reaping the harvest and all the work that you put in in those spring and summer months. So there's still a lot of work because as we know, farmers have to work the hardest during the harvest season But things feel a lot easier because you are reaping the benefits of all the work that you've put in in those spring and summer months. We all want a fall. That is when we really get to stack those wins in that winning column. Next up is winter. Now, if you look up in a dictionary, winter is a dormant season. The definition of dormant is temporarily inactive or inoperative, it's not dead, it's not gone. Things will reemerge, but winter is dark, and it's just like life is right now outside when it is dark from 4 p.m. to 8 a.m. There are only a few hours of sunlight in those dark times, but it is your job to find the light and make the most of it, which is what we're going to get into now. So There are two types of losing seasons or winters, and I'm going to be open and honest and tell you guys I am in a wintry season right now. So the first is going to be a bit more business-oriented. So for those of you who are entrepreneurs, business owners, definitely pay attention to this. And if you're not a business owner or an entrepreneur, don't worry, there is a personal winter that I'm going to talk about next. So this is the season that just like the actual season of winter, you know when it's coming. Spring, summer, fall, winter. For example, if you are a retailer, you know that the J months, January, June, July, are typically slower business months than the other nine months of the year. January is slow because people have overspent and overbought in December. There's not much extra cash laying around to make purchases with. June and July are slow because it's summertime. People are traveling. They're outside. They're not sitting at home online shopping. Things change in August because people start back to school shopping and then we move into the holiday season. So that's what makes August different from June and July, even though it's a summer month. All businesses have slow seasons, not just retailers. And if you want a strong business, you need to identify your slow seasons and figure out how to fill those with activities that either strengthen it financially or maybe they don't bring in revenue, but they strengthen the foundation of your overall business so that you can continue to sail on. This is like the oil change of your business. You have to have one every so often in order for your car to keep on tip-top shape, right? Now, farmers are actually the perfect example of a group of people who fill their slow season with the right stuff. We all know farmers. They're busy from spring to fall. They sow, grow, harvest. We just talked about this. So when actual winter comes, what do farmers do? They can't plant. They can't harvest. Sure, some of them might sit around for three months and take it easy, but most of them are in the shop. They are servicing equipment. They are attending conferences and events to gain more knowledge about different seed varieties or production methods. You know, Maybe they're building out new projects that are going to help them in their busy seasons. They're packing in all of those activities that they can't get done March through November because they're so busy doing the sowing, growing, and harvesting. So the activities that they're doing, like servicing equipment, it may not be an income generating activity. But they're putting in the work so that they can make the most of those nine busy months. And they're not going to be saddled with additional work that they can't get done because they don't have enough hours in the day to complete them. In addition to activities that strengthen your business foundation, I also mentioned activities that strengthen it financially. Going back to the example of retailers and the J-months, ladies, how many of you guys have ever shopped Nordstrom's anniversary sale or Amazon Prime Day's? I know I have. I'm guilty of both. Both of those sales are absolutely huge. And do you know when they happen? They happen in July. That is not a coincidence, you guys. Those sales are strategically placed in July to give people a reason to shop with those companies. They want to bring people in the doors during a time when customers traditionally would not be shopping with them because it's one of those slower months of retail. So how do you... In your business, whether you are a business owner, an entrepreneur, or whatever it is that you may be, figure out when your slow, quote unquote, winter months are. You have to analyze your data and you have to get familiar with those important numbers and analytics, whatever it is that you're tracking. Obviously, some of them need to be revenue based. And it's not enough to look at a single year and say, man, this month was slow. You have to compare multiple years together and really identify those patterns. So if you look at whatever numbers you're tracking and you see that for three years in a row, May, and those numbers are down compared to all other months, guess what? May is a month where you need to be packing in either those business building activities that you don't have time for the 11 other months in the year, or figuring out what types of promotions, events, activities you can run or host to boost those numbers. So this is that pre-planning that you're doing. Let's say you are somebody who has a direct-to-consumer beef business and you look at your sales numbers and you see that October and April are consistently slower than your other months then your next job is to sit down and strategically plan how can you encourage people to buy during those months. And don't just go the route of putting things on sale because sales don't necessarily make you more money. So don't take a page out of Nordstrom's or Amazon's book because there's a whole lot more strategy than just a sale, right? You have to be very thorough and figure out what type of promotion or campaign is going to bring you in more revenue And not just more work because there's absolutely a difference between the two. But at the end of the day, the strongest players are made in the off season. So what can you be doing in what is deemed your winter season to ensure that you're really setting yourself up for success in the long run, especially through those busy spring, summer, and fall months in your business? Now, let's talk about the other type of winter. This is metaphorical winter. This is when the hard stuff just continues to happen and you feel like you can't catch a break. This is the type of winter that we are personally in right now. And as much as I would like to tell you about that, a lot of it necessarily isn't mine to tell or that which is mine to tell is still more of a wound than a scar. And I really make it a point to talk about things once they have healed and they are a scar because that means they're behind me. And I try not to talk about things in the moment because so much can change. Now, that being said, I can tell you about another time in our lives fairly recently when things were terribly difficult. It was the winteriest winter I have ever been in in my life. And I'm going to tell you how we got through it. So from May 2017 to March 2018, we had a combination of personal things and business things and you know family losses and it was just all in all a bad season and i think that that is even more difficult when you like us are in a family business because family and business are so connected with one another and there's no way to really like compartmentalize any of that so may of 2017 we had just put in a brand new pivot and it's been a while ago, so I don't remember the exact details. But I remember that it was delayed by about a month. And we typically plant our corn around the first of May. And our pivot wasn't ready, and so we were late getting our corn in. And we finally get this pivot up the next day. We are going to run water through it. I remember it was Mother's Day because we were all in my house having Mother's Day dinner, and this hellacious windstorm comes through. And I look up, and that pivot because it didn't have any water in it, was crumpled in a million different pieces. So here we were, we were already late. We were, what, 10 days late behind schedule, which doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But when it comes to getting crops in the ground, it it is. And this brand new pivot that had been behind schedule, about to have water ran through it. And we had to start the whole process over again. So then we had already planted our corn at that point. So I think that it took another three weeks before the pivot was up and running. And I remember the only way to water that field was with hand lines. And so we were moving hand lines through the corn, which I don't know if you guys know anything about corn and and irrigation, but you can't use hand lines in corn because at some point you can't move the hand line above the height of the corn. Like it's only going to work for a little while and it was not good and it was black and we all joked that it looked like a crop failure. So we had that the pivot, the cornfield, it was not a good May or it was starting off to not be a good May. And then at the end of the month, my dad, who was, was he 74 at the time, I think? He was riding a four-year-old and he got bucked off and he broke his shoulder. I think he broke like eight or 10 ribs and he was down and out. It was the, the worst he'd ever been hurt in his life. And obviously when you're at an older age, it takes a little bit longer to heal. So from like May till August, He couldn't leave the house or couldn't do anything. I mean, he'd try to leave the house and he'd drive his pickup around, but all he could really do was sit in his recliner and look out the window at this black cornfield and a crumpled pivot or what was left of a crumpled pivot. So we were not starting the summer off on a good foot. And then in that summer, so it would have been June, July, Justin and I were expecting our first child now. Obviously, he's Jet, but I was sicker than a dog all day long, every single day. I tried everything. None of it worked. It was absolutely terrible, which we're already down a man because my dad wasn't able to be involved in our operation. And I could hardly make it to the mailbox and back without throwing up. And it was a rough summer. And we had a lot of other little things that happened kind of in that, what, like June to, to September time period. So then August rolls around and it was our second day of fall cow work. So we had gathered the day before and we had everything in the corral and we were going to sort that day. And I wasn't there because again, I'm sick, but my, I get a call from Justin and he said that my mom got bucked off. And so we had to take her to the hospital and she broke, I think it was 12 ribs and a couple of vertebrae in her back. We took her to the hospital and then she ended up having to get lifelighted to Boise due to the severity of her injuries So she was in Boise for, I believe it was three or four days that she was in the hospital. And unfortunately, when you're in something like fall cow work and you've just been these calves and cows, like they can't just sit there. Things still have to take place. Work still has to go on. So we were dealing with that as well. I believe that it was the day or day after my mom got home from the hospital, Justin's uncle, who was a pillar in his life, passed away. That was a very hard time for our family. Justin's uncle was basically like a father figure to him. And so to have that loss was very, very monumental, obviously, as we're dealing with all of this other stuff. So my mom had just gotten back from the hospital. We're shorthanded. Justin loses his uncle. Justin obviously goes to be with his family. So it's my dad, me, and Gustavo who are doing a lot of the work. And I remember at one time, we were, were we working calves or we were pregging cows? And I would push calves up the chute and i would lean over the catwalk and i would throw up and i would walk back down the catwalk and i'd push more things up and i'd lean over and i'd throw up like things it was a it was a rough time period so my mom is home for maybe like 4 days and then all of a sudden she got violently sick to the point where we thought well maybe she had some kind of like internal bleeding from a broken rib so she had to go back to the hospital and it turned out that she had gotten some kind of super bug when she was in the hospital the first time. So she had been in the hospital, gotten home, was home for five days, had to go back into the hospital for a completely different issue. And obviously when you have 12 broken ribs and you're throwing up, I mean, like that's a significantly painful experience. So my mom is in the hospital. I believe she was in there for three or four days with the super bug situation that she'd had. Thankfully she got over that. And I remember the day that we brought her home from the hospital we woke up and we had, I believe it was like eight or 10 calves die of nitrate poisoning, completely unexpected, which these are weaned calves. So it ends up being like a $10,000 loss, which obviously when you're dealing with, with like the loss of people, that's not a big deal, but that kind of an impact on a business. I mean, it, it still stings, right? Even though at the end of the day, money doesn't matter, like those types of punches still hurt, if you will. So we lose calves to nitrate poisoning. The next day, my mom gets a call that her dad, my grandpa had died. And I remember when when she told me that I was almost unfazed because at that point we had had so much bad happen in such a short amount of time that I kind of thought like it was almost laughable. And and that sounds terrible to say but but it was it was absolutely unbelievable. So we go a couple of months without any any bad happening to us, if you will. Like I think December was a pretty calm month. I was still sick all day long every day. I did end up having to go to the hospital in January a couple of times for different pregnancy related issues. Then they were just like day trips, but still like when you've been dealing with bad stuff since May at that point, you kind of wonder, man, can we, will we ever be able to catch a break? So February rolls around and I get induced to have Jet and he was born, but it wasn't without a slew of other problems. I ended up having to stay in the hospital for a week after his birth and then jet was actually in the NICU for two weeks so for a week after having him I never even got to hold him because we were in two completely different wings of the hospital like I was on the eighth floor he was on the second floor we never like sometimes I would get to wheel down there and see him but for the most part for that week I never saw my kid I couldn't tell you what he looked like like I had never held him obviously and again like I said when when that many bad things just kind of happen one after one. You think, holy cow, Like, is this ever going to stop? And then I remember that when we were in the NICU, we, so my parents have a cow herd and then Justin and I have a cow herd. Together, we had, I think it was three cows shot on the desert completely at random. One of them was mine. And then the other two were my parents. But still, it was not a good situation. So from May of 2017 to March of 2018, like I said, We absolutely could not catch a break. It was terrible time for us. It was nine months of metaphorical winter. And even as I think back to that period of time and I recount all of those occurrences, it seems absolutely wild. And I will also say, like, my family is a very calm, like, we don't have wild and crazy things happen to us. So to have all of that happen in a nine-month time frame. It was very, very difficult. And when you're in one of those seasons of life, especially when you lose people who are so monumental to your lives, it is a very, very heavy time. And it's really hard to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. We know that saying, oh, yeah, there's light at the end of the tunnel. But when you are in that tunnel and it is darker than dark, it is hard to believe that there might actually be something on the other side. You absolutely wonder, are we going to make it out of this alive? And if you are in one of those seasons now, I can say it's going to pass. The clouds are going to break and a rainbow is going to shine. It absolutely will. Whether you are somebody who is in that hard right now or you're not, but you know that you will be at some point because let's face it, nobody goes through life without hardships. There are two things that are incredibly important and are going to help you get through it. One of them is a practice. The other one is a mindset. So let's start with that mindset first. There are two sayings that we've all probably heard in life, but they really ring true in times like those. The first is, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And the second one is, tough times don't last, but tough people do. They basically mean the same thing, but I think that both of them really put that picture into a frame. Hard things are going to happen. They're going to happen to all of us. At some point, they will get better, but they only get better for those of us who are tough enough to handle it. And I will tell you that God never gives you more than you can handle. And if you think you can't handle it, he's going to prove you wrong because you will eventually make it out on the other side. And that is as biblical and as preachy as you're ever going to find me, but you're never going to be handed more than you can handle. But when things get hard, in order to make it out to the other side, you have to continue to move forward. There isn't time to wallow. There isn't time for self-pity. There isn't time for blame. There's only time for action. And if you feel like you can't act, if you feel like you can't move forward, if you're paralyzed and you're going to just go sit in bed and cry about it for a day, then chances are there isn't enough pressure because pressure is what forces us to move forward, whether we like it or not. Whatever you are going through, you are going to find a way to get through it. And it may not present itself as a door. You might have to light a stick of dynamite and blow a hole in the wall in order to get through it. But when there is a will, there is a way. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Tough times don't last, but tough people do. Those are two little sayings I want you guys to remember because those are really going to get you through in those hard times. You are tough. I know you're tough. You're going to make it through. Now, the other tip that I want to share, as I mentioned, it's a practice. So when things were at what we felt like were rock bottom, we needed something to keep our minds in a positive place. Every night, whether it was during dinner or when we were sitting on the couch before bed, Justin and I made it a routine to share the best part of our day. Sometimes it was actually a win, like, I moved these cows and this could have gone wrong, but it didn't. Or I averted XYZ crisis at work, and it really was a win. So we celebrated it. And sometimes our silver lining of the day was something so foolish or silly or absolutely pathetic, like for me, being pregnant and sick as a dog well, I only threw up six times today instead of nine. So I count that as a win. Like it made us laugh. And the silver lining of that was even on days that were so hard, we laughed. And while we were in the thick of it and it felt like the walls were closing in, we always managed to stay positive. And there's a lot that can be said about having a positive attitude while charting rough waters. So to close all of this, out the silver lining about hard times in my mind is that they make us stronger and they remind us what we can really handle. I know that 2020 was a really hard year for a lot of people and very understandably so. But I will say for me personally in 2020 my mindset never once wavered to holy cow this is hard because two and a half years prior to that I had been through the absolute hardest year of my life. And I remember when things would get stressful in 2020 I would tell myself Well, I made it through 2017 and I made it through 2018. And if I can do that, I can do anything. And I will also tell you guys in the last six weeks, I have been telling myself that same thing every day. I've already proven to myself that I can make it through anything, even this, and there is light on the other side. And I want to tell you the exact same thing. You have got to keep going, you have got to keep powering through, you have to continue to have a positive mindset. Do the little practice that is talking about your silver lining with your significant other or with your best friend. Like find somebody who you can lean on who understands the importance of a positive mindset, who is not going to drag you down, who is going to help remind you that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And whatever it is that you're going through, I know you're going to make it out on the other side. And if you're a business who is struggling with a losing season, figure out those patterns. Look at your data, your numbers. Figure out what you can be doing to mitigate against those in the future, especially if you see those patterns and you know that there are months where things are always a little bit slower than normal. And then work to craft a plan that's going to bring more into your business so that you can consistently have a stronger winning season. I feel like this was a little bit of a long one, so I'm probably going to leave it at that today, but I truly can't thank you guys enough for listening. I so really appreciate you guys. And having you here means more than you will ever know. Whether you're a podcast listener, whether you are an Of The West user, if you're an employer who hires with us, it all makes a huge difference. And I hope you know just how thankful and grateful I am for you guys. So with that, we will see you back here next week.
0: If you've loved this episode, do us a favor and share it with someone else who might find just as much value in it as you did. We're on a mission to continue to grow and strengthen the future of agriculture and Western industries. And you spreading the word helps us make more of a positive impact. It also makes a big difference when you take a minute to go rate and review the show. We can't thank you enough for listening, for sharing, and for loving Ag and Western as much as we do. We'll see you back here for our next episode.